Hey, grab your Bibles, turn to John chapter 5. To, to bright light? Bright light. Give your eyes a second to, to adjust. Uh, we are in the book of John. We are on chapter 5, verse 1 now. Let me just pray before we get into this. Jesus, who you are is God, and who you are is our Savior. Who you are is our rescuer. Who you are is the one that knows us, like knows us by experience, knows us in every sense of the word, Lord. You know us inside and out. You created us from your very word, and we, you know what we need. You know what we're lacking. You know what we're missing. You know where life is for us, and so show us, Lord. Show us through your spirit. Show us through your word. Uh, use me to say only what you want said, Lord, and shut my mouth on the other things. I pray, Jesus. Amen. So we are uh, chapter 5. This, this is, uh, once again, we are going through the book of John, and what you might be finding is, is a lot of really familiar Bible stories if you've been in church for a while. If not, this is a great place to start, right? So today... Uh, this, this section of scripture could be called, titled like the pool of Bethesda. And, and let's just, we'll just get started. Then I probably need you to reset this here. We're going to get started with verse 1. That didn't work there. Chapter John, or John chapter 5, verse 1. And it begins like this. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and the Jews went up to Jerusalem. Okay, I'll stop there real quick. Now, at the time of Jesus, interestingly enough, earlier on in John, right, it said they, they went to Jerusalem for a certain feast, and that feast was Passover. This time it just says a feast. It doesn't tell us which feast. And later on in John, it talks about the other feasts. So, so we could guess, but it's, it's good to mention that there, it could have been one of seven total feasts. Now, these seven feasts that they would celebrate were as commanded by God, and they were, they were uh, to remind us, sometimes they were linked to, to the harvest seasons or in remembrance to something God did. And so they had four in the springtime, Passover, unleavened bread, the, the feast of first fruits, and weeks. And then there was three in the fall, trumpets, the day of atonement, and the tabernacle. So we don't know exactly which one we could speculate, but, but what's the point? I figure it's a good chance to, to share that truth with you. When you hear these feasts, there were these seven throughout the year. And the Jews would, would return to Jerusalem, you know, in some of the feasts, and they would, they would uh, undergo all that was set before them. So here they go. They went up to Jerusalem. Now, there is in Jerusalem, verse 2, by the sheep gate, a pool. In Aramaic, it's called Beth, uh, Bethesda. Sorry, I was going to say it wrong. Yes, bless you. Bethesda, excuse you, which, which had five roofed colonnades. And in these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. So what are colonnades? Do you guys know? What's a colonnade? What is it? Yeah, a row of columns. And so those columns' purpose was to, was to hold some kind of coverage. So it's almost like a, a covered walkway. Now, now, so apparently when you would go in, into this, this area, there was this pool, right? The pools were often used for what? 
if you studied the scripture over time, what would these pools be for? Purification rituals, right? The washing. So there was this particular one, right? The pool of Bethesda. And it says here that it was lined by five, like, roofed colonnades. So they had these columns with some kind of roof. Here's what's cool, okay? Here's a little archaeology nugget for you. They actually believe they found archaeological evidence. Sometimes this doesn't happen with the scripture. And the reason why is a lot of times, well, time has passed, but there's also many conquering nations, and it'd be really common to destroy what was made and build over the top of it. So there's a lot of things you see in the Bible. Some things the archaeologists have found proof. Others, they haven't necessarily, right? And then it depends on who you believe, whether they found it or not. But, but interesting enough, here's a picture. Probably doesn't help from that far of a distance, but if you go and you look back at these slides later on, they believe that this was... These pools that were built, destroyed, and rebuilt. Interesting enough, what they found was they were two rectangular pools because a lot of the debate against this is they said, well, John's not accurate because if they had these pools, they were rectangles. But check this out. Here's what happened. These pools, what they found was two rectangles. Oh, well, well, that's not very fascinating. Well, check this out. Imagine you had two rectangular pools, and in between it, there was a walkway. So what effectively happened is if you had two, they had a colonnade here, one. They had a second one down the side, two. They had a third one down this side. We're up to three. They had one on this side, four, and one down the center, five. Right? So the archaeological evidence shut down naysayers who say, what kind of five-shaped pool? That would not have been real. Well, what they found is there was an additional piece. There was two pools. So what happened is, is right with this, there was uh, these people, the lame, those who, I'll go back so you can see that again. In these, under these colonnades, right, in the shade, in protection from the elements, it was apparently a daily thing. You could find people who, who had physical ailments, invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. We're together? Couple pools, picture it. Use your imagination that God gave you. They're kind of laying out. It's like the Fry's parking lot or something. They're all just waiting there, right? Like, I don't know, looking for help. Um, Now, another interesting note here is depending on the Bible you're holding in your hand, there may or may not be a verse 4 there. Now, this wasn't a printing error. And some of the early manuscripts of the scripture that we had, there was no no section of language or or scripture that we call verse 4. Because in case you didn't know that, we added those later. When they, when they wrote this, when John wrote this, he didn't write verse 1 and then write it. He just wrote it. Does that make sense? So the, the scribes would find, find, they would transcribe. So over time, in some newer manuscripts, this showed up as an explanation. But in the early ones, it wasn't there. So if you're looking at an ESV Bible and some other ones, it'll go right from verse 3 to 5, and you think they forgot how to count. Well, look at the little asterisk. So what, what would be said in the ESV if it was there? is it would say this, that they were waiting for moving waters at the end of three. For an angel of the Lord went down at certain seasons into the pool and stirred the water. Whoever stepped in first after stirring of the water was healed of whatever disease he had. Okay, so back to that, right? So you had all the invalids, right? They're, they're, uh, they're kind of hanging out around these pools here. Underneath that, they get there early in the morning and they're watching the water. 
And they, were, they either got there on their own or someone dragged them there. And then once the water started moving and was stirred, it was, a, it was like, uh, you guys remember uh, musical chairs? where you, everyone breaks an arm trying to be the first one to sit on the chair when the music stops. That's what would happen. A mad race, as soon as that water would stir, whoever was the first one in the water, they believed would be healed. Well, Josh, I know you're asking, so Will, were they healed? Good question. I don't know. But apparently something happened enough that there was crowds that gathered and they waited to see if today was the day. And their understanding is that God, right, Yahweh himself would send one of his angels down and they were the ones stirring the water. Of course, science has mineral explanations of mineral sediments that would happen. But it would happen randomly. So you would go day in, day out, and you would sit there and you'd wait for the water. And then if it stirred, you would race to go get healed. Verse 5. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. Wow. It's a long time, right? When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? Well, this is way too rich for me just to skip over, so let's stop there. Okay, paint paint the scene like they do many of the days. All the people are lined up. And what are they hoping for? They're hoping for what? To heal, right? What are they watching to see that they get an opportunity to be healed? The water to be stirred. As a matter of fact, some historians even say because of the the mineral sediments, at times the water would change color. You'd get like a little bit of red tint. And some people say it's because the sheep sacrifices, blood would come in there, and they thought that was a divine thing as well, right? But they, they came there waiting. Their hope was for healing from this water. So then Jesus shows up. He sees this man. Not the only man there, right? He sees lots of men and women, I'm sure. When Jesus saw him laying there, it says, and knew. Well, here's the problem with the language. This word knew, it's more than you think. Oh, this shrunk on me, so I'll have to read it to you. So this word knew, the the Greek word this is translated from has to do with knowledge as the effect of experiencing. So it's like, I know you because we have a relationship together. It's actually the same word. It's used broadly, right? But it's not just an academic knowledge. It's an experiential, intimate thing. It's the same knew that like they use when it says Abraham knew his wife. Like inside out, intimate as can be like knew. Jesus came into this place and knew this guy. So then you're thinking, is this some weird long-lost cousin or something? No, because later on, we'll see when we get there that this guy had no idea who Jesus was. But somehow Jesus knew him at that deep, experiential, intimate level. Why did he know him like that? Why? Why do you think? He's God, right? We talked about that last week. Jesus is God. Like, he knows him. He knows you. Okay, if we, if we, let's just sit on that for like the next 17 years, and that would be all we could study, right? The, the implications, the, the impact of that. But, but that's what he said. He knew this guy. 
And he knew he'd been there a long time. And he said to him, do you want to be healed? What kind of question is that, right? <laughs> I mean, do you want to be healed? Of course the guy wants to be healed, right? Duh, right? Like, okay. Well, we'll get back to that. Do you want to be healed? Interesting question. It's like, of course I want to be healed. I got Billy to drag me here. I can't walk. Put, you know, he sits me on this bed. I sit here all day. Nothing's happening. Well, instead, what the man says is this. The sick man answered him in verse 7. Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I'm going, another steps down before me. So from, from this, we gather this guy has actually been there when the water stirred. And he's like, Ugh, uh, and then someone jumps in, you know, stiff arms his face, goes in the water. But this guy keeps showing up. Right, Rick? He keeps showing up, even though he thinks there's no way he could be the first one in. He's always losing musical chairs, yet he still plays. And Jesus said to him, get up, take up your bed and walk. <laughs> this guy can't walk. Right? I mean, you realize how silly that is? Take up your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed. He took up his bed and walked. <laughs> I mean, I think we forget how, when we just read this, we forget, wow, what was it? Why? There's stuff missing here, guys. I don't know. Why did that guy, why would he even get up? Why would he believe? What was it about Jesus? What was it? Did he feel the healing? I, I don't know, but he got up and he walked. Okay, but there's a problem with this story. Now, that day was the Sabbath. The end of verse 9. Uh-oh, right. Uh-oh is right. Okay. So the Jews who were watching, right? They've been watching Jesus. Said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath and it's not lawful for you to take up your bed. Right? They knew this guy for 38 years. He hasn't been doing well, right? Whatever was going on with him. He's been at that pool when they go by. They know those guys. They've seen that sign before, right? Like they're always out by... By Chick-fil-A with that same sign, asking for the same thing. I, I know, I've seen them before. What, what, why are you walking now? It's the Sabbath. It's not lawful for you to take up your bed. Well, where this comes from, guys, is please understand, I think we're going to encounter, they encountered what we would call religion, and, and we use it in kind of an insulting way. But the idea is this. Check this out. Exodus 20, 8 through 11. So this is stuff that God commanded. Okay, valuable. It says this, Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work. But the seventh day, it is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. So on that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, and any foreigners living among you. For six days, the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. But on the seventh day, he rested. That's why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. Right? There's the command. So why, why, did, why did God say the Sabbath, have a Sabbath day? I mean, we could get into a big discussion about that, but in summary, why? For, for men? Yeah. 
Why? Because we needed to rest, right? And, and we needed to trust him. Those are two pretty good reasons, right? We wanted to obey God and trust him that if we didn't do our regular work today, the world wouldn't fall apart. And we needed rest because he knew our bodies. He made us. He knew our hearts. He knew our souls. And they didn't have a woman's soup for the soul night, you know? Soup made from real souls. So they had to rest. And so they didn't have... Now, but here's the problem with religion, guys. Beyond that, beyond that, that became part of the commands of God. So they... They had the Sabbath. But what ends up happening? You're like, you can't do any work on that day. You're like, well, well, what's work and what isn't? That's the obvious question, right? So the teachers, the rabbis, the leaders, beyond those, those written commands of God, here's what they did. They started having discussions, and there became oral traditions, which other people wrote down and then commanded and lorded over the people with it. As a matter of fact, what we're running into is one of 39 activities that they defined as forbidden on the Sabbath day. And you can look online at that list. It's, it's quite interesting what you can't do on the Sabbath day. But one of those was, had to do with carrying anything from one domain to another. And they even talked about weights, right? Like weights, like if it was heavier than a fig, it was work to carry it. Okay, but that's not, and there was a certain amount of milk you could carry with you, right? It was like, you couldn't do anything. These 39 other activities, and if you look it up, if you want to look it up later, it's like the Mishnah Shabbat 7-2, it talks about this. There's additional writings, the guy's like, God wasn't hard enough on you, let's be harder on you. And so they got mad because Jesus healed, and it was in violation, not of that Sabbath command, but of their rabbinical opinions and traditions. You see that? And then they went on to say, you know, what was punishment for those things? Death. (laughs) I don't know. That was like two figs you carried, Brandy. Out, you know. No, you don't love God. So back to the scripture. Now the day was the Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who'd been healed, it is the Sabbath. It's not lawful for you to take up your bed. But he answered to them, the man who healed me, That man said to me, take up your bed and walk. Wasn't me. So they asked him, who is the man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? Now the man who'd been healed did not know who it was. See, he didn't know Jesus, but Jesus knew him. The man man who'd been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn. You could just see that, right? He walks and just takes off. For Jesus had withdrawn as there was a crowd in place. Whoa, George is walking. Connor, look at it. I love this. Verse 14. Afterward, Jesus found him. He found this man in the temple area and he said to him, see, you are well. Sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. Oh, Emily, we don't like this part. So, wait a second here. The guy is healed, and then Jesus is like, don't sin anymore. Okay, help me with the logical brain here. If I'm saying this and reading this to you, what does it make you think about this man and the reason that he was an invalid? Because he was a sinner, it makes you think that. I mean, we don't know for sure. But that's what we would assume based on this. 
Well, I need to tell you some truth here, okay? One thing that's true, let me share from Galatians 6, 7 through 8. It says this, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. That was the ESV version. Here's the New Living Translation. I kind of like this one, so I want to throw it out there for you too. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. For those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. Why am I telling you this? Because you need to know, okay? There's forgiveness, there's mercy, there's grace. But there is a fact about reaping and sowing. There is effect, right? There is cause and effect. There is, if I do this, there is a certain response. So the idea that they're saying here is they're taking it to a spiritual level. But listen, if I continue to do the things to satisfy my flesh, even if it works for a little while, long-term it will never work. There's never enough money, never enough fame, never enough popularity, never enough sex. You don't have, your muscles are never big enough, you're never skinny enough, and tomorrow you better get more muscles and be skinnier. Good luck. And eventually you'll get old and you won't be able to do any of those things. Eventually your heart will stop, and it doesn't matter, you can't work out anymore, and you're out of luck, okay? But however, that which is spiritual can live forever with the Spirit of God. So everything you invest in that becomes an internal investment. That which you invest in your body and your physical has limitations, Make sense? So, yeah, uh, you know, if we live a certain way, we will become sick. If you do not sleep, sick, eventually. If you do not eat well, you'll feel sluggish. Maybe not when you're 15, but when you're 55. Right? Okay. So, but here's what you need to know. Not all disease is a consequence of sin if we look at the scripture. There's one example if you want to check it out. In Luke 13, 1 through 5, not every, not every disease, every ailment you have is a direct result of your sin. Okay? However, sometimes illness is the result of sin. Check out James 5, verse 15, or that's supposed to be 1 Corinthians. It got 4 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 11, 29 through 30. So do we know whether it was this guy's sin or not. We, we don't know for sure, but it would seem something had happened prior to those 38 years that have caused him certain ailment. Check this out, verse 15. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. Get this. So Jesus finds him afterwards. He's like, okay, you're physically healed. I want to offer you more than physical healing. There's a spiritual healing. There's a wholeness available to you. And the guy's like, thanks a lot, Jesus. And then he goes and tells the Jews, it was that guy that, that did a crime worthy of death. Well, that's a big thank you. Invite you over for dinner and they steal your china. You know, I, I don't know. Um, 
Now, some people are like, oh, he was just so excited. That doesn't sound like he was so excited. That demonstrates a flaw in character in my mind, right? So, and haven't you seen that? Haven't you seen uh, sometimes a physical healing or blessing can happen, and spiritually it's not received beyond the physical? That can happen. So he went away. He told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed them. And this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus. Now, now they're on to him. Because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered him, My father is working until now, and I am working. So now let me kind of try to bring this home. So Jesus healed the man physically. We we see that, right? He healed him. He was healed by Jesus' words. He got up and he walked. Then Jesus also invited this man to live from a whole new way of seeing the world, right? He found him in the temple and he said to him, see you are well physically. Sin no more that nothing worse may happen for you. He's like, I've given you physical healing and I'm inviting you into healing your life by not continuing whatever it is you were doing before that was destroying you. Do you see that? So let's start again. Jesus healed him physically and then he said, I know you. Like, I know whatever it is that you're doing, whatever patterns of life you have that are destructive, that are keeping you from wholeness, not only physically, but spiritually. Like, in your heart, in the part of you that lives forever, I know the ways in you which are poison. So I'm inviting you to stop those. And the man's like, and it's like, what will the man do? The man went away and told the Jews... (laughs) You can kind of see it, right, Nicodemus? He talked to him. He's like, yeah, I can't do it right now. Right? The woman at the well, yes, I'm leaving my water. I'm going into town, and I'm going right, to tell everyone that this man knew me, everything about me. Here this guy is, now that I'm better. Guys, I found out who it is. It's this Jesus guy with his feathered hair. He's got a little lamb. He's petting him. Go get him. Healing on the Sabbath. That's sad, right? I mean, I don't know the uh, behind-the-scenes story. What happened with this guy? I don't know. I'm not sure who he is or what happened. But the, the lesson that I want to share with you is I, as I've thought, prayed, meditated on this, is, is the interesting part of this story is I'm thinking about the people, okay? All the people with the ailments, the invalids, all those who, were, who couldn't see, all those who couldn't walk, all those who basically I would say they, they didn't feel whole. And I imagine, I mean, the, the dedication to come day after day after day, Randy. Right? I mean, especially if you, the dedication even of their friends, right? To, to drag them down there, to carry them down there to sit on that random chance that that water would move and they could be the first one in. Like, that's hope. They hoped they would be the first one into the pool if the water stirred, right? They hoped the water would stir. They hoped they'd be the first one in there if it stirred. And then they hoped they'd be healed 
if they won that race. God, I don't want to lose you in that. You, you guys see, do you see what I'm saying, that hope that it took? Um, and that's why they came back. They had hope. They had hope for wholeness, hope for life. If you couldn't, if you couldn't walk, if you didn't have full use of your body, you were living like half a life in their mind, and they had hoped. And the problem with this is Proverbs, which, which gives us a lot of wisdom. Part of Proverbs 13, 12 says this, hope deferred makes the heart sick. I read that. I know it's true because in my life and the people around me that I talk to, including many of you, do you know what that is? When you hope for something so long and it doesn't happen, what happens to you is sort of a heart sickness. And you get to the point like this man, well, what are you doing? Well, do you want to be healed? I don't know anymore. I, I just show up because no one will even put me in there. Even if it's, why did you come, right? Like he was so sick, he was like in his sickness. He goes, rather than anything else, I'd rather mope here saying, even if it bubbles, I can't get there first. What's the point? Did he even still try to crawl? If it bubbled up, I don't know. But I suspect for many of them, hope had passed and heart sickness reigned. And Carson, that's why I see this in us. Because you and I, like, please understand the way that men and women, I don't care what, I I do care. What's not primarily important is what you think about God, but what's primarily important is who he is. And the fact that even though like this man, he did not know Jesus, Jesus knew him. He knows every one of us because he created us. And every one of us still feels a little unfinished, a little less than a whole. Is something broken? Yeah, you're not home with the Father yet. If you feel that way, yeah. Do you want to be made whole? Yeah, but I don't know if I can, right? This is who I am. I'm stuck. And so like that, I look at the world around me, even myself at times, and I see us just laying around that pool, hoping that that pool would save us, but actually with no real hope that we could climb in there first. So picture it. They're all there on that Saturday. And they're just, I don't know, some are hoping... Some are just going because, like, they're just bitter together. You ever been in a place like that? Like, there's a table full of people. They're all like, well, you guys just get together to be bitter together, I think. I don't know. I don't think there's really hope for something beautiful today. So they just come on this Sabbath, and they're like, ah, oh, hey, George, how you doing? Oh, my back. Right? Like, oh. And they're just watching that pool. Those who are really hoping, they're watching that pool. And then Jesus comes in. Jesus comes in. Jesus, the only one who could bring them wholeness. I kind of picture it like, what if the pool was like this room, right? 
I don't want to, I don't want to compare myself to Jesus because that's a far, far cry from that. But I imagine like if he would walk in, right? And I mean, so many of us, I mean, some of, some of you guys are here hoping that something would happen. That some kind of breakthrough would happen. That some kind of wholeness or healing would happen. That somehow today something would happen that all the circumstances that have you sitting there, like looking at some kind of pastor or song, like the pool to heal you, that you don't know that Jesus even came in the room. As a matter of fact, more than that, he's with you. He's living in you. And he comes in here and he's like, what are you doing? We're just waiting for Will to say something to change our lives. That guy, he's not got anything to tell you, right? Or maybe, maybe they'll sing a song. Maybe, maybe Paul will sing something, and the Holy Spirit, man, he's going to change all my circumstance in a minute. He says, oh, you wanna, so you want to be healed? I figure if I keep coming to church and read my Bible... It's like, well... Or, or, hey, do you want to be whole? You're like, well, you don't understand. I, uh, this is the best I could do. Like, you don't know what happened to me, where I came from. Like, oh. And Will, I don't like the way that he's, you know, dressed, or that song I didn't like, or their floor is unfinished. I don't know, dude. I can't, I can't get to this wholeness. No one's here that will put me in the water if it's stirred. I, I don't know how. I could be healed, but sure. And then, then the man says, like, I know the way to life and wholeness, but, but no one will help me get there is basically what he's saying. Like, it's that, right? And that's it for you. Like, there is something, and here's the thing that I think we can reflect. Like, we can put ourselves, the story tells us that Jesus can do it. He's able and he's willing. But the story also tells us we're like this man. What we think is going to make us whole, we can't get there. Do you see that? Amen, right? Right? So what we think will make whole is if this would just change or this would happen, I would start doing this. I would stop doing this. Other people would start doing this. My community would do this. My job would do this. My wife would do this. My country would do this. The world would do this. Like, if I could get into that water first, if someone would carry me there, I could be healed. But it's never going to get there, so I've just quietly resigned to this. I just cope. It's like, I don't think it's a word, but it's like saying, my hoper is sick, right? Like, I even looked at it. I don't, there's nothing. Oh, my hoper, the hoper part of me, man, my hoper, Chris, it's sick, brother. It's like, and you're looking at all that's left of me. You see it? Those who have eyes will see it, and those who have ears will hear it, right? Like, Lord, help us see it, like, because this is me. I'm sure it's some of you. A sick hoper, man, that's worse than the coronavirus. That'll really get you, man. And Jesus says, I make you whole, not the things you set your eyes on. Then it goes, bam, bam, right? Somebody say, bam. 
Let's do one, two, three, bam. Ready? One, two, three, bam, right? Bam. You're healed, he says. And like, I don't know what it was, why the guy believed it. Then he's like, believe me, get up. Do something that would be impossible for you to do without me. Whoa, okay. Let's sit down for that one. Isn't that the hard part? What if I told you, man? Whatever that is, right? When, that's what I want you to do at the end of this. I'm going to have the worship team up. They're going to play. I want us to just not read this story and do nothing about it. And I pray, Lord, is this a time to pray for healing? Maybe that's what we need to do. But, but this is a story not of physical healing, but of spiritual healing offered. And I think that's what we need because our hopers are sick. And we need healing, but we have to believe that the healing is there already through Jesus. But to do better, to get better, to get healthy, right? To get healthy, you've got to do the thing that you couldn't do unless God carried you. Unless he really healed you. It's impossible. Jesus is like, get up, grab you. I can't get up. For 38 years, I haven't been able to get, get up. Believe it. Do something that would be impossible. And then he got up and he did the thing that would have been impossible without Jesus. How about that? Praise team, would you come on up? I'm just going to leave that out there for a minute. Just let it... Just drink a sip of my alkaline water here. Oh, maybe... I mean, I don't know. I don't know if that hits home, but you think about that, guys. Even so young adults here. Uh, man, that is... That is the offer of the world is all sorts of solutions to get whole. And it starts, it starts for you and it keeps going. Like, how do you get whole? How do you, how do you overcome that thing that keeps you down? So that's what I would love to do. I just ask if you guys would just kind of play, play quietly uh, and because it helps. I've found, and we'll just spend a little time, and I'm going to start the prayer, okay? And what I want is I want the Lord to move in your life. And so I would ask you to consider this and ask the Lord to say, ask him, man, what is it? What is that pool that I just sit here day after day and I, and I stare at it, thinking if only... I could get there, I would be whole. And I I don't know, depending on where you're at, you might still be crawling to try to get there. But you might be at that point where you're like, that's never even going to happen. And you've gotten that bitterness in your heart. 
Well, I'm telling you, Jesus is here. If, if you believe, he is nearer than nearer gets. If you don't, he's here. Ready to be that near. And just ask him, man, even if you haven't before, like, Jesus, man, I, show me through your word, through your voice, through the Holy Spirit, like, what is the pool I keep looking for? And then do that, do that. Like, take your eyes from the pool and then put your eyes on Jesus. See what he says. See where he leads you, man. What if you had a story? Like, I know what my pool was. I used to look at that. And now I got up, I grabbed my mat, and I walked away. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, you, you give us these stories, man. They're alive. We can read them a thousand times, and it's something new. But today, today I just present this, Lord, to everyone who would hear. And we ask you, Holy Spirit, we ask you to quiet everything else, all the voices, all the plans for the rest of the day, every previous disappointment, Lord. And I, I ask you to lead us because I think we're like that man, like all those men and women at the pool. We're just watching. We're watching that thing that we think would make us whole. That thing that we think would heal us. And so, Lord, I just ask, what is it? Show me, reveal to me, open my eyes and my ears so I would see and I would hear where I'm putting my hope. And then, Lord, I ask as we sit here, too, that you would ask those who are ready to hear. There was tons of people there, but that man was ready for it that day to get up. So I pray that if there's someone ready today to get up, grab their mat, get up, walk away, that they would do that. So Lord, I, we give you this time to work and speak to your sons and daughters, those you know, know so intimately by experience, that you would speak to us so deep that it would penetrate the very core of us, Lord, that you would minister to our hopers and heal us. I ask you this, Lord.